Good morning. Uh, welcome. And uh, today we have special guests with us. We have Jonathan and Heidi Bamford. Um, we've known them for quite a long time. And uh, they were actually members of this church before they uh, went to the Philippines in 1994. And you're going to be hearing more about that here in a minute when Jonathan comes and uh, shares with us. But before he comes, I want us to take a minute. We try to routinely pray for our partners in world mission uh, during our times together like this. So if you would bow with me, we're going to pray for the Bamfords, and then Jonathan will come. Lord, we're so gracious. We're so grateful that you graciously um, sent your son uh, as a uh, to seek and to save the lost. And Lord, you you have drawn us to yourself through him, and then he has sent us uh, to do the same. So, Lord, um, we want to do a good job of sharing the good news of Jesus with the whole world. And we thank you for Jonathan and Heidi and their family and all that they've been doing in the Philippines over the past uh, couple decades. And we pray for them uh, as they continue uh, to translate your word into the language of the Isnig people. Um, we're praying for them as... Um, that's just such a crucial thing, Lord, that they would have your word, and we pray that that process will continue to go forward well. Um, we pray, too, as they are in the States for a season, that that would be a very refreshing and encouraging time for them, and as they share uh, what you're doing in and through their lives, we pray that you would raise up additional partners for them to pray and support them as they go. Lord, we're so glad they could be with us this morning, and we pray for Jonathan as he comes to share with us now, and then with the children in the second hour. Uh, Lord, we pray you would use him and speak through him. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So let me invite Jonathan to come on up. And it's good to have you here, brother. It's good to be here. Always happy to be back at Fly to Bible and a chance to fellowship with you. I think I have a heavy load here because it's making the stand go down. That's not good we go. Yeah, very good to be here and uh, fellowship and see people we've known for many, many years. Get my Bible the right side up. That's also good, a good start, a good start to it. All right. Oh, and the remote control. Everything in its place. All right. Yeah. Well, let me give a little bit of an introduction here to how we got to where we are and what, what happened to transpired in our lives. We used to be here at living in Vancouver and Hazeldale area and going to church here. And I was a school teacher down at uh, Hazel, Hazeldale or Flyda, Flyda Elementary. And uh, while we were, during that time, we were challenged into missions that there was a need for teachers to go and teach the children of missionary kids. So off we went into training and we ended up in 1994 in the Philippines teaching the children of missionaries in a little, little tiny missionary school in northern Luzon. So while we were doing that, that was our first term on the field, while we were doing that, we traveled around a bit in the area, and we got acquainted with the other missionaries that were out doing tribal works and got out to see what was happening on their stations, how they did their laundry, and, and how they got from place to place, and, and mostly the people, you know, just... Lots and lots of people that didn't have access to the gospel, didn't have God's word in their language. That was a real challenge to us. So by the end of our first term on the field, 
we were asking, can we please go into church planting? Can we go live in a village? And the Lord opened the way for us to do that in some amazing ways, and we got assigned to work with the Southern Isnig people group. And uh, so there's a picture of our village. We live in a very remote area. It's about an eight-hour walk to the nearest road. Uh, You can see on the map there, uh, you can see the little star at the very top of the island. We're right in the middle of the top of Luzon. And uh, so we get in and out by either walking. It's an eight-hour walk, I said. Uh, Many river crossings, or we fly. We used to fly in and out on an airplane, but uh, in 2000. 10, we switched over to a helicopter program, which is really nice. Now, the big news is that as I speak, they are bulldozing a road to our village. So next time I come, I, that can, you know, it'll bring good things and it'll bring bad things. So it's, it's going to really change the culture and things. But uh, it's many good things for the people, too. That's a long walk. So our people are farmers. And uh, in the past, they've gotten most everything they need from the jungle and from their gardens and farms, and uh, they're almost everybody is a rice farmer, and I don't know if you can see very well in the, in the picture, it's a little bit dark, I'll see right, right here, that is the rice field, so I point that out because a lot of people when they think of rice fields in Asia, they're thinking perfectly flat with water in it and a water buffalo plowing around and all that, that's not what we have going here, we have upland rice, it's not irrigated, and it's, it grows in the steep hillsides, in time, God gives them a harvest, and then they still do it just the way the ancestors did. They clip one stalk at a time and gather it into bundles and take it to the top of the ridge, and then when it's dry, they carry it home. And uh, those weigh about 80 or 90 pounds. And they might have to hike an hour and a half with it across rivers and down slippery, muddy trails. So quite a lot of work goes into the Isnig way of life. And that's what they're doing, and in a way, we're farmers too because we are there to plant the word of God in their hearts. And so we do that in a couple different ways, in many different ways. We try to find every way possible to get God's word uh, into their lives. And one of the ways is uh, home Bible studies. This is a ladies' Bible study that Heidi does in our house three times a week. And the ladies come in and and get a 20-minute Bible study. And it's been really encouraging. This last year, she's been, been doing a series on godly women, and, and how a woman can, can live for God in her family. And it's been really changed lives. It's, the ladies say, why didn't anybody tell us this stuff before? It's just ended the strife in my marriage to, to, to add God's word into what I'm doing. So that's been encouraging. And then on Sundays, I teach church. Uh, this last half a year, my partner was gone. So I ended up doing the teaching, and we did a series on the Old Testament, which is also very good with uh, the truths like uh, to obey is better than sacrifice and God punishes sin and all those themes that come from the Old Testament that are really meaningful and important in our lives. The other way we try to get God's word into the people's hands is by translating, and Scott mentioned that. Uh, so this is, these are some of the people that help me. It's a team effort. I think maybe up to 20 people are involved in the translation. I'm sort of the orchestra conductor getting this piece and that piece and trying to weave it together to get something that's both accurate but also communicates very well in their language. So that's the goal. And uh, one of the ways we do it is we use folks like you saw on the balcony to one of the steps 
is after we've got a rough draft that we think is pretty good, I've worked with some language helpers, we think it's the way we want it, then we, we want to run it through their grid because you know, it's, it's easier to understand their language than their grid. The language is hard enough, but the grid, and that can really mystify. So you, what we do is we read them a paragraph and we say, okay, tell me back, what did you hear? And then it comes back and then you can tell, did they understand it clearly? Or can they not put the sentences together? Or did they understand something completely off the wall? And uh, I'll just give you a real quick example of, of a grid problem. Uh, in Luke chapter 2, we have the story of Gabriel coming to Mary, who is a virgin who is promised to be married to a guy named Joseph. So that seems pretty straightforward and clear. But every time I would read it to somebody, they would say, the angel Gabriel came and made a marriage contract for Mary and Joseph. Well, that's not what happened. So why would they do that? Why would they understand something totally wrong when I had all the words right? Well, the reason is chronological order. I gave, they are very in tune to what the order of events is in the sentence. And so it has to be, there was a lady that was engaged to be married to a guy named Joseph and one day an angel came. That's the correct chronological order. So to introduce Gabriel before telling about Mary's status really threw them off. So that's the kind of thing that GRID helps us understand so that we can get them an accurate Bible translation. And then uh, as we get through the stages, the last stage is to have a translation consultant come, and he does essentially the same test. Sits down with some mystic. They listen to the whole, whatever we're checking, this last, uh, in March it was the Book of Romans, so they listen to every verse in front of him and have to say it back in front of him. And he can tell if they're stumbling. Uh, and then I'm translating on the fly for him. So he'd, and then he'll ask, did they get this or did they miss that? And so he helps fix things too. And, and uh, translation consultants have a lot of experience that they can bring in and help bump the translation up to the next level. So they're very much appreciated. So... Aside from Bible teaching and church services and translation, we get involved in a lot of other little things that happen around the village, but there are ways that we can show God's love to people. And um, one of the things we did this last year was you can see in the top picture that the riverbank has been eroding. Uh, that bank used to go out 20 or 30 feet before you hit the river, and now it's almost to the basketball court, which is where we land our helicopter and where the young people play in things. So... Uh, this last year we started building a retaining wall and you can see that down there in the bottom picture. And um, the people were very happy to, to help me build that. And they did the building, I did the, the financing, which is a good arrangement if you ask me. Everybody's happy. And in the end we have a very nice pile of rocks. And as I was sitting there uh, looking at, you know, standing on the other bank looking at that, a guy came up to me and he said, you know, that is, that's really nice. When, years from now, when you are long gone, we're still going to remember you because we're going to see those rocks and we're going to remember what you did. Well, that really got me thinking about, uh, a few more slides about how they did it. Uh, had to get all the gravel from the river and I made them take the rocks from the other side of the river. They wanted to get the rocks near where the, wall was going to be built, but I said, that's just going to erode the, the bank faster. So we had to float the rocks over and mix the cement by hand, 100 bags of cement, quite a process. But anyway, there's the, there's the final thing. 
what it got me thinking about is rocks being used for remembering, all right? Now, those rocks, when they were on the other side of the river, if I took one of those rocks and went around with it and said, would anybody like to buy this rock from me? They would laugh themselves silly because rocks are worth nothing. They're just, they're all over the place. They're common. But by setting a rock, by moving the rocks to the other side of the river and cementing them together, all of a sudden they became a point of remembrance where they would remember me. And I, I remembered in the Bible, hey, there's lots of rocks that were used as for remembrance. They also were not worth anything previously, but then they got set into a certain position, and then they became something really important. Now, when we think about remembering, I want to kind of make sure we understand the idea of the concept of remembering. Um, and there's a range of meaning. Now, remembering can be, when they say, I'll remember you, you know, they'll remember you in 50 years. Well, that's just like a They'll have a thought about me. Eh? Yeah, there's this guy here. Yeah, he was really, really light-skinned. He was nice enough, but kind of weird. And uh, <laughs> yeah, and he, he built, built this wall. That's just, that's a kind of remembering. But um, there's another kind of remembering that is more of a call to action. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But this first, the idea of just remembering, it does come up in the Bible, but not very often. Most of the time, the Bible's talking about the other kind of remembering, the kind of remembering that's a call to action. But for the first kind of remembering, Peter. You remember Peter. He, he was there and Jesus was on trial. And um, Jesus had told him previously, before the cock crows three times, you will deny me. And then it happened. And Peter remembered. And he felt bad. And he, he went out and wept. But he didn't run in there and say, I am. I'm with Jesus. Okay, he didn't. He didn't, it didn't cause him to do the right thing. It was just a remembrance. And that's one kind of remembering, where we just remember something. But the, in the Bible, that hardly ever is the way it's used. Most of the time, the Bible means, when it says remember, it means to actually there's an action involved. So for example, uh, Joseph in the Old Testament, uh, he's in prison, and he has these two guys. One of them is the king's cupbearer. And the cup, he's, he t Joseph tells him his dream. In three days, you're going to be back in the presence of the king. And uh, he said, when you get there, remember me. Now, what did he mean by that? Just like, oh, yeah, I remember there was this nice guy that used to bring me juice and crackers in prison. No, he meant get me out of jail, right? And Hannah, Hannah was praying there before the Lord, and, and Eli thought she was drunk. But when she was praying, she was saying to God, remember your servant. What did she mean by that? She went, just got to have a nice thought. Oh, yeah, there, there's, there she is down there. Now, she was saying, give me a baby. I want a baby. I want a son. And even Samson, he didn't really live for the Lord. But at the end of his life, when he was in the Philistine temple and he had his hands against the pillars, he, his prayer was, remember me one more time. And he, he meant, give me power. Give me power. So in the Bible, most of the time, when we talk about remembering, we're talking about uh, Actual, some action is to take place. Now, in translation, one of the problems we have is we call it range of meaning. Okay, so you can have all these words and you can match the words, this word, you know, like the word run, and we have a word for run in Isneg, and that, that's a good match, but the range of meaning can throw you off because in, in English, run can be a run in my stocking, it can be a run of fish, your engine is running, 
there's all kinds of runs. There's probably dozens and dozens of kinds of runs in English. But in Isnag, the word for running cannot be used for a generator or for a problem with your sock or, any, or fish or anything else. It's just running. So range of meaning. Uh, and so some words like listen are similar to remember in the range of meaning. Like if a mother says to a child, you're not listening to me, what does she mean? You're not obeying. There's, you're not acting on what I said. She doesn't mean, oh, you didn't hear me, you poor little thing, right? She knows good and well the child heard her. She's just not following through. And the same is really true of remembering. Like if your wife says to you, remember the milk, and you're on the way home from driving home from work, and you're thinking, yeah, my wife said remember the milk. And so you think real hard, oh, yes, now I remember little Jimmy. He drank his milk, and he had a little bit of milk on his upper lip, and it was so cute. That's not what she means, right? That's not what she means. When she says remembering the milk, remember the milk, you better have a gallon in your hand when you walk through the door. That's, that's remembering the milk, right? So um, it's important that God wants us to remember him in ways that affect our life, in ways that we're putting into action the things he's called us to do. When God's, when, when like a lot of churches have a little table out front that says, do this in remembrance of me, it's not just like you'll know, have a nice little thought about, oh, that was nice that Jesus did that for me. It's supposed to become part of our lives. We're supposed to, we're supposed to glorify God in our body because of what he did for us. He purchased us. We are purchased with a price. That's what remembering is. So God has always wanted his people to remember him. And that means finding out what the Lord wants, wants you to do and doing it. So in the Old Testament, we have some, God did some amazing things for the people that he wanted them to remember. He took them across the Red Sea. And then later on, he, they came to the Jordan River. And that's where we're going to start reading. This morning you can follow along on the screen if you like, I, or you can just listen. But we're in Joshua chapter 4, verse 1, and we'll be reading some of these verses. When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, choose 12 men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests are standing, and carry them over with you and put them down at the place where you will stay tonight. So Joshua called together the 12 men and he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and he said to them, go over before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of tribes of the Israelites to serve as a sign among you in the future when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. So those stones, they were just stones in the bottom of the river before, accomplishing nothing. But they were taken from their place. They were set someplace else to be a memorial, not just so that they could have a pleasant memory. You know, I've had to in hiking around the village, I've had to cross rivers many times. I've always, especially when the river's high, I thought, wouldn't it be nice if this river would just stop and I could walk across on dry land? 
Hasn't happened yet, but um, I'll be sure to put it in a prayer letter if it does, right? <laughs> but, uh, but these people did. They experienced that, and God didn't want them to forget it. It was a call to action for them because they were going into a land that was full of pagan idolatry, things that God knew would tempt them to turn away from him and to follow false gods. And he wanted them to remember that he was the all-powerful God. No other God can turn off a river and then turn it on again or open an ocean and let people cross through. No other God can do that. He wanted them to remember that so that they wouldn't be tempted to follow false gods to their own destruction. So there's, oops. We're falling apart up here. And we're still falling apart. So there was another time, and more stones. We'll go to Deuteronomy chapter 27. Verse 1, Moses and the elders of Israel commanded the people, keep all these commands that I give you today. And when you have crossed the Jordan into the land the Lord your God is giving you, set up some stones and coat them with plaster. Write on them the words of this law when you have crossed over to enter the land the Lord your God is giving you, a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. And when you have crossed the Jordan... Set up the stones on Mount Abel as I command you and coat them with plaster. Build there an altar to the Lord your God, an altar of stones. Do not use any iron tool on them. Build the altar of the Lord your God with field stones and offer burnt offerings on it to the Lord your God. Sacrifice fellowship offerings there, eating them and rejoicing in the presence of the Lord your God. And you shall write very clearly the words of this law on the stones you have set up. So very clearly, God did not want them to forget. He really wanted them to have a memorial to remind them of what he had done for them and to call them to action. And that action was to follow the Lord's commands. And they needed to be reminded because there was a very real danger. Let's read uh, verse 16 through 21. Be careful or you will be enticed to turn away and worship other gods and bow down to them. Then the Lord's anger will burn against you and he will shut up the heavens so that it will not rain and the ground will yield no produce and you will soon perish from the good land the Lord is giving you. So it's a very real danger. You know, for farmers, you know, they can grow about what they can eat in a year, sometimes a little bit more. But if there's no rain and they lose a year's harvest, they are in big hurt. If it's two years, they're starving to death. They're just starving. It's happened to the Istnik where they've lost, they've lost crops before. It's devastating. So God didn't want that to happen to them. What was, what, was to, what was there to save them? What was going to help them not in, have to endure that kind of punishment? The answer was a pile of rocks, right? A pile of rocks. So God said to them, Fix these words of mine in your hearts. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Teach them to your children, talking about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. 
Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates, so that your days in the land, the day, and the days of your children may be many in the land the Lord swore to give your ancestors, as many as the days that the heavens are above the earth. So, remembering or not remembering has consequences, doesn't it? If we remember, if we remember to serve God, we can experience His richest blessings that He has for us. Uh, by not remembering, we often turn off into the roads that are not profitable or tend towards destruction. So uh, how do we do that? How do we go about remembering? Well, it said fix, fix these words. I liken that to spending time in God's word. So we do that on Sunday morning, don't we? We come here, especially, this is like a stone of remembrance. This church is like a stone of remembrance because we come and we listen to God's word being taught. And then we take time reading God's word. Uh, it said binding it or tying it. You know, the Jews took this very literally. They would actually tie verses on their, on their head, foreheads and things. But I'm thinking that we really need to meditate. You know, we don't just let it go by. It's not the passive sense of remembering. It's the active sense of remembering where we let God's word be a call to action in our lives. We make sure that we're passing it on to the next generation. You know, it's, it's encouraging to see so many little ones heading off to children's church to hear some of God's word. And uh, it's very important because, you know, the next generation's coming. They also need to know God's word. And it said to, um, talking about God as we go about our daily business. And that's important that we do that. We need to make sure that our conversation with people is rich and that we're always encouraging people, even unbelievers, we're, we're giving them a bit of truth so that they can they can hear something about God. So, and the last one, it said, it mentioned writing it on the doorpost to your house. And, and I was thinking, you know, a lot of you do this. A lot of, you, I go into your homes and I see a verse in the hallway. Sometimes it's even just a sticky note in the bathroom, like mem- someone's memorizing a verse. They've written it out, they put it on a sticky note. But having God's word spread around where you can actually see it all the time in a call to remembrance. You know, for me, I even have, a, like, for my sign-in word for my computer is pray. So uh, it's not just so I can have a nice thought about praying, but the idea is that when I go to sign into my computer, I stop and I ask the Lord to help me with whatever I'm going to be working on. So just putting things in our lives that are things to help us to remember so that we won't fall away from God. Could I fall away from God? I sure could. It'd be very easy. Uh, People fall into sin all the time and wander away. So it's very important that we put these things in our lives to help us to remember so that we can be strong in our faith and so that we can experience God's blessings so that we can pass it on to the next generation. Now, Peter also knew that it's great to be a Christian, but it's very easy to wander off and become unprofitable. So he wrote in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 12, he wrote, So I will always remind you of these things, even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth that you now have. I think it is right to refresh your memory as long as I live in this tent of this body, because I know that I will soon put it aside as the Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me. And I will make every effort to see that after my departure, you will always, you will always be able to remember these things. So again, very important that we remember. Peter knew it, and I think we know it too. He knew that there was a danger 
that they would forget. So God wants the Isnik church to remember. So just a few things that we're doing to put these little stones of remembrance into the lives of the church. Uh, we teach the Bible. We have Bible times for them. Important. I also mentioned the Bible translation. This is an encouraging picture. These, all the people in this picture are involved in teaching the Bible in our village. So um, some of them teach children. Some of them teach adults. Some of them teach ladies' Bible studies. One of them even teaches in a different group in the village, a different group of believers. That's great. If they're using God's word, it's a very good thing. So we're happy to see God's word getting into their hands. And we're happy to see people actually taking time to think about it and, and having Bible studies, such as the one Heidi has. And uh, just a little note on translation process, progress, if you're interested. This is how far we are. Most of Genesis, most of Exodus, some portions through the Old Testament, the book of Mark and the book of Acts, some other parts of the Gospels, Unfortunately, Romans isn't quite there. There's about three weeks worth of Romans work left to do before it's included. And Ephesians is on the way. But uh, we have, still have a long ways to go. We're going to be working on it for a while. But we have that. And then you can look at that later if you're interested. And teaching the children. And that's another thing we're doing to help pass it on to the next generation. This is our partner, Vicki, has really taken that on. And she's insisted that she's not the teacher. She gets Christian Isneg ladies to do the teaching of the children. And she just helps them with visuals and things. And then this last year, Heidi worked with a group that does translation of Bible storybooks for children. And you can look at that too. Uh, this group will pay for the printing if you'll translate it into a, lang a foreign language. So Heidi translated it and they said, how many copies do you want? And she said, 200. And they said, okay, we're going to do 800. So we got, ended up with cases and cases of these, more than we thought we needed. But, you know, the local school, the whole, even in other villages, heard, oh, there's a book in Isneg, and they don't have reading materials for the children. So we, um, cases and cases were requested. So we passed out a lot of those. We have some for another time to pass out um, in a few years when those are worn out a bit. So it's another way that we're trying to help the Isneg remember. And third way, another way, not third, is these little recorders. I don't know if I've ever shown these to you before. They're little MP3 players that we get. They have a solar charger on the back, and they're encrypted, so you can't put your own music on them. You can't take things off. You can't put things on. Only Heidi has the power, is how is the power over them. So um, we have some hundred of these out in the village, and the people just love them. And they don't, they don't have many other forms of entertainment. So when they're hiking down the trail, it's in their backpack playing. When they're, when they're working in there, you know, pounding rice and stuff, they'll have one of these going. Heidi's put, we have the whole Ilocano New Testament, which is a trade language for us. Some of what I've translated is on here. Some Bible teaching lessons are on here. And then all the Isneg songs are on here. And so they, they listen to it all the time. In fact, uh, real quickly, we have a, we, our house we moved into you can reach out the window and touch the house next door. That's how close we are. And the guy that owns our house lives in the house next door, and he's an older man. And we'll hear him crank up his thing about 7.30 or so at night, and he'll, he'll listen to some Bible for a while, and then he'll switch it over to songs, and he'll put on songs, and pretty soon he's singing along with it, all by himself in the dark. And then he'll shut it off and go to bed. And uh, we think that's really neat. 
makes it hard for us to concentrate on what we're trying to think about. But, <laughs> but you know, that's what we're here there for is to see God's word get, being given to the people. So they have something to help them remember and uh, they can take it and do their work with it. And uh, as they get out into the community. So I would like to thank you guys for being part of all this. Say we couldn't do all, all this without your prayers, without your support. And uh, it's just, we've been out there for a long, long time, over 20 years. And uh, so we just really appreciate you guys. And um, for this morning, I'd like to pray for you guys that you would remember, you know, think about how, what you're doing in your life to remember God's word and calling it to a point of action. So you might want to think about, like, well, maybe I should change my computer password to pray or something, or, or get an app on my com- your phone. You can, there's all kinds of apps now for memory verses where you can help you memorize the Bible uh, to put you on a reading plan. Maybe you want to put up something in your house. You think, oh, maybe I don't have anything in my house. I don't have any Bible verses around. Just something. Just think about that. Is there anything I could add to my life to help me remember God's word so that I would n- not forget? Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we, I just do thank you for Fly to Bible, for this wonderful family of believers here. And I do pray that uh, you will help them to always remember. And I just thank you that Bible is central to their name and their purpose here. Lord, it's your word that changes lives. It's not missionaries, but it's your word being used by the Holy Spirit and calling people to action, changing their hearts, changing their thoughts. Lord, I thank you that uh, we all have an opportunity to be part of your kingdom. I pray that you bless this church. In Jesus' name, amen.